The following program is paid for by Busey Bank. It's time for Money Talk, your chance to call in and receive answers to all your financial questions, from investment management to planning for your retirement and beyond. The experts at Busey Wealth Management are here to help, so you don't have to navigate these difficult financial decisions alone. The views expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station. Call in now, 356-9397. And now here is Money Talk. And good morning and welcome to the holiday edition of Money Talk. I'm your host, Kurt Anderson, and I'm here today with Charter Financial Analyst, uh, Portfolio Manager, and all-around good guy, Aaron Sutton. <laughs> and then my special guest today, which you, you will know him, is Mark Wisniewski, who's also a Charter Financial Analyst and Market President for BC Bank. Welcome, you two. Thanks, Kurt. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah Mark thanks. and I haven't done this for a long time, so we're really excited about today. And, uh, and so it should be fun. But let's go ahead and start off, Aaron, with bringing us up, uh, up to date with uh, the market, which has been very interesting the last 30 days since we, had the, we were on the show. Definitely. So, so tell us what's going on. Yeah, I think probably best way to categorize it is it's been a roller coaster, uh, especially in the month of December. So start off on a little bit of a weak note. Uh, obviously, with the Omicron variant coming along, uh, kind of shocked markets a little bit. Uh, then we kind of rallied back and had another little sell-off. And then here recently, in the last couple of days, made up some ground. So all in all, when you take that together, since our last show, basically the market's kind of where it was about a month ago. Um, but a lot of action in between there, for sure. So uh, we'll take that. As we talked about before, all year long, we're sitting on some really, really nice gains. So I think being flat here over the last month or so is definitely fine in most people's books. So, so Aaron, that begs the question, how good are they? Well, uh, we'll get right into it then. Uh, so if we look at the S&P 500, year to date, it's up just over 27%. Uh, again, just a tremendous gain. Uh, been having, again, a lot of client meetings as we approach year end. Uh, and yeah, I think everybody's pretty pleased when they see their statements, see those balances. Uh, and just see what's happened uh, so far year to date. Now, the other markets, uh, it's been really kind of a mixed bag over the last month, so it actually has been kind of interesting. If you look at the mid and small cap space, those were down about 4 and 7% respectively over the last month. So that area has given up a little bit of ground, uh, but year to date we're still sitting on some really nice gains. Uh, mid caps are up about 21% year to date. Small caps up a little over 12% here in the U.S. Okay. Now, looking internationally, uh, similar story. Uh, we've seen a little bit of a sell-off there. Um, so the developed markets are down about 3.5% since our last show, but still in positive territory for the year, up right around 8% or so. And then if you look at the emerging markets, that's the one area that is in negative territory for the year. Pretty much all that loss came over the last month or so. Uh, so they've given up about 4.5% since our last show and are now down about 4% for the year. And I think we talked a little bit about this last time, but a lot of that is primarily due to China, a big component of the emerging markets, and twofold there. So number one, uh, they've been very aggressive uh, in fighting COVID. So anytime cases start to ramp up there, they go ahead they and- They shut stuff down. Yeah, they just have another lockdown. Uh, and then also to- uh, one of their large property developers has been struggling. And again, I know we covered that last time, so won't go into it. But 
they're still very much in trouble. And we've actually seen a few other names uh, kind of pop up there. Uh, and then finally, the bond market uh, was also flat over the last month. Uh, you know, we always like to quote the 10-year Treasury bond. It was at about 1.5% last time, and that's about where it is today. So uh, really no movement there despite uh, the big Fed announcement yesterday, and we can talk a little bit about that. Uh, but that really did not move interest rates yesterday uh, based on those new announcements that they made. Um, so I guess specifically, probably to segue right into that, um, that was the big news item yesterday. Uh, the Fed had their two-day meeting. Jerome Powell had his uh, conference afterwards, and so that came out about oh, 1 or one thirty yesterday. Uh, and they have made some major changes just from what they announced last month. So they're actually going to accelerate uh, their bond tapering. Um, and again, just a refresher, that basically means the amount of bonds that they're purchasing each month. They originally announced they're going to reduce that by $15 billion each month. Well, now they came out and they upped that to $30 billion reduction each month. So they doubled the amount that they're going to reduce it by, uh, in other words. So it looks like now if they had at this pace, uh, they should be done by about springtime uh, with those bond purchases, uh, whereas before it's going to be about the middle of the summer or so. Um, and then the other component to that, um, so originally people were thinking there would probably just be one rate hike next year. Uh, but yesterday they announced there's actually going to be three rate hikes in 2022. So, again, it looks like if things stay on this path, by the end of next year, uh, short-term interest rates should be at about three-quarters of a percent or so, about 0.75. So, again, we've been at zero for a long time now, uh, but it looks like next year uh, those rates are going to be going up. Yeah. You know, along those lines, uh, of course, the Fed only has – control, if you will, over short-term interest rates, right? Direct control, yeah, that's so, right. So what do you, what do you think a, a three-quarter percent rise in the short-term rates will do to, let's say, mortgage rates? Um, Which they're more tied to, like, the 10-year or something like you're that? You're right. They're, they're tied more to the 10- and 30-year. And just like you said, the Fed does not have direct control over those. Now, they try to influence it, and that's what they've been doing with these bond purchases, is to try to drive that down some. Uh, but I think naturally... As they pull away from the market uh, and if inflation stays a, a little above average like it has been, that should push up those longer-term rates. So, again, predicting interest rates is like predicting the stock market, but my best guess is I would imagine those rates would be a little higher um, next year than they are today uh, if you're talking about mortgage rates. So, now, when you say inflation is just a little above average? Yeah, I, mean, I, was, I, I was being... Uh, I, I thought this is the highest rate since, like, 1969 <laughs> know, or something right? like that. I mean, if you talk to everybody around town, they're like, gas prices, food prices? Yeah, I, I probably downplayed that one a little too much. So <laughs> Just a little bit? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> in fact, to your point, Mark, uh, we got a wholesale price reading in November. That was up 9.6%. In wow. fact, it was the highest reading on record, so... Yeah, I would say, yeah, it, it's definitely been high here. No. Yeah. Yeah, I had a client that was looking at a condo in Florida, and um, in Destin, Florida to be exact, and the price on the condo was 725000 It sold in May of this year for 560000 Oh, yeah, right. Whoa. It's basically up like 20 25% <laughs> in six months. Wow. Now, of course, maybe they won't get that for it, but... I think that's – I'm hearing that from everybody across the country that real estate has just gone insane it because has, there's no supply. That's right. Because they can't build them fast enough. 
And any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's a, a combination of all these things. I think um, the fact that people know rates are probably going to go up in the future, that's maybe accelerated them to uh, maybe make a purchase or start looking to upgrade. Um, so you're seeing a lot of people wanting to buy. And then just like you said, uh, the inventory is low. Now, we did get a reading recently, I think this came out this morning, that um, new housing starts are actually up. So they're trying to increase the supply. Uh, but certainly, as we all know, it takes a while to build a house. Uh, so it's going to take a little bit of time uh, to try to get that supply back to normal levels. Uh, but no, we're seeing yeah tremendous appreciation in prices. And then rents are going up, too, um, along with it. So that's another big component that's happening now. Yeah. I don't know where I read this, but I heard somebody talk to me about the fact that, right, you know, there's always a, a, there's always a demand every year for X amount of new housing units simply because of our growing population, mm -hmm. right, and all these kind of things. But they said based on what can be constructed right now, the bail, you know, the resources, the materials, things like that, it would take like five years to catch up uh, to be even close to where the demand is. Wow. I mean, you, you think about that, too, because in 2008, 2009, some of these home builders were looking at going out of business practically because the demand was, was just down to zero and nobody could afford anything. Mm -hmm. And now you look at the houses that were built back then. You know, let's say a $250,000 house is now, like you said, Kurt, selling over 400000 And this is in the champagne market. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's everywhere. It's yep. kind of crazy. Yep. I mean, yep. and also, too, car prices. I thought this was interesting. Um, my daughter got a, a letter in the mail that they want to buy her 2007 Toyota Camry, you know, for a used car. I'm like, if you saw this 2000, you can have it. <laughs> so, but no, you, no, Mark, you want to sell it. Right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, you know, I had the same thing. I've got a 2020 Enclave, Buick Enclave, and they, they were, you know, they immediately said, I want to buy it back from you. And, and they didn't tell for what. But here's here's what I'm thinking. Well, now what am I going to do? Right. Exactly. <laughs> okay. First of all, there's no cars available. Am I going to take public transportation now to get to work <laughs> and things like that? I mean, you know, what are you going to do? I don't know how successful that's been. but Yeah, and I don't think people just have extra cars sitting around to sell. So, yeah, I think, um, you know, a buddy of mine did the exact same thing. He had a car he purchased a couple of years ago, sold it for the exact same price he bought it from uh, for two years. But oh, they were changing man. vehicles. So but still. He kind of had a motivation right? to do it. But, yeah, it was – it's pretty fascinating. That's usually not the case, obviously, with cars. Yeah. So I was reading an article this morning, and I can't remember if it was the Wall Street Journal or whatever, but it was kind of like what life is going to look like after COVID. And if we ever get through well, COVID. Well, this, art this article <laughs> was saying yeah. they couldn't name the month, but they seem to think that it's going to happen in 2022. And uh, and so, you know, we often talk about, you know, we're up 27%, but you'll say something to the effect of me, yeah, Kurt, but, you know, the future is already kind of priced in, the mm -hmm. COVID being over and this and that. But, yeah. you know, we've got still got low interest rates. But, uh, you know, what what is impacting the, the, the markets the most? Is it the looking ahead at, at a better economy, higher interest rates, the pandemic o o being over, or is it some combination of all those? Uh, you know, like, for example, when there's bad news, like about Omicron, Omicron or whatever mm -hmm. it is, you know, is that really affect the market or is it really at the bottom line more about interest rates and earnings? Well, really at the end of the day, the ultimate thing for the market is earnings. Um, that's what matters most to investors. But in the short term, yeah, the market's trying to react to these things, trying to predict how it will impact earnings. So to your point, when a thing like Omicron pops up, the initial reading is you don't know quite the effect it's going to have. There could be a path where we go down where 
we find out it's worse than Delta, more transmissible, more transmissible, uh, has worse outcomes. Well, then you might see shutdowns. Well, that would reduce spending. That would hit earnings. And so that's why the market reacts to these things, because um, the uncertainty around them. You don't know kind of what path it's going to take. But ultimately, at the end of the day, it's corporate profits that really matter. And that's what's going to drive markets over the long term. But in the short term, anything that pops up that has the potential to impact earnings, yeah, yeah you're going to see some It can be politics. It can be the pandemic. It can be all these different things. Exactly. You know, uh, when you mentioned the word certainty, I thought that was interesting because, uh, of course, the market was down big time the other day. And then the Fed made their announcement yesterday and the market went up, zoomed up. And so I've got a client calling me about that. How in the world what they said, they're raising interest rates, they're going to do this, <laughs> they're going to do that. And I said, just because now the market knows. Yeah. The market hates uncertainty. And once they find out what's going to be going on, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, then it goes up. Yeah, and I think I, I kind of had the same reaction too. I, I mean, normally there would be an inverse relationship there. Uh, but I think what it boils down to is the market was expecting what the Fed announced. They thought they were going to increase their tapering. They thought they were going to raise the number of hikes. That's exactly what the Fed provided. And so there was kind of a relief rally because there was still a small chance that maybe the Fed was even more hawkish than what they came out with. And so I think that's why you saw the sell-off leading up to it. And then when they didn't go down that path, yeah, you saw a little bit of a relief rally. Yeah. Yep. You know, I think that people are still trying to get their arms around, if you will, just the extreme volatility we have anymore. You know, the number of days where the market goes up 1%, down 1% is just, it's so much more volatile than it was just five or 10 years ago. And certainly when I, you know, when I started, you know, that might happen once a year. Mm-hmm. Now it's really a, almost a daily or weekly event. It is. And I think a big part of that, again, is that the cost of trading has been driven down. Uh, you have a lot of new investors, I would say, that are more short-term focused as well that are in the market. Uh, <laughs> They're on is, their phone on Robinhood, right? Exactly. Doing stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So uh, a lot of this, yeah, kind of came on board in the last few years with people with plenty of time on their hands. Uh, and so they got involved in the market. And so kind of led to a lot of these yeah. meme stock situations that you saw. Well, I'll tell my clients, I said, you can't get caught up in this day-to-day stuff. It's really what it's going to look like five years, 10 years, whatever. But otherwise, you drive yourself nuts if you just worry about it. It's just going to go through these gyrations. Exactly. Uh, you just want to know where what is, what is a year, five years, 10 years down the road. Exactly. Okay, well, why don't we take a quick break, then we're going to come back and talk about some year-end things to be thinking about, and you're listening to Money Talk. Growing your family, opening your own business, retiring to travel, leaving your legacy. At Busey Bank, we know there's a lot to look forward to and a lot of planning along the way. Celebrate your life's milestones by putting your money to work. Busey Bank, building business, growing wealth since 1868. Proud to be the official bank of the Fighting Illini, member FDIC. You have the ideas, the tenacity, and the follow through. Busey Bank's experts are here to help with the capital. With deep knowledge and trusted guidance, Busey will help you prepare a comprehensive financial business plan that boosts your livelihood and keeps your business successful for years to come. Busey Bank, building business, growing wealth since 1868. Proud to be the official bank of the Fighting Illini, member FDIC. Well, welcome back to to Money Talk. I'm your host, Kurt Anderson, uh, with my... uh, my guest today, uh, well, permanent guest, Aaron Sutton. <laughs> you know, he's here every every month. Glad to have him here. And Mark Wisniewski, uh, market president for Busey Bank. Uh, glad to have you guys both on. 
we are going to get right in just a moment here into kind of some year-end things to be thinking about. Uh, you know, for, you know, it's, it's, again, it's our holiday edition. We got to talk about you know things to do around this time of the year. Uh, but we had a great conversation this morning about the labor shortage that's yeah. going on in the market. Why don't you kind of start talking about that? that? Sure. It's a good conversation. Yep. So very well publicized uh, all year. We've been talking about it numerous times on the radio show, <clears throat> the amount of shortage that's out there in the market. So, again, everywhere you go, you're seeing hiring signs. You're seeing you know businesses having to adjust how they do things because of the shortage. And so there's been a lot of debate around, you know, who's actually kind of leaving the market or what are some of the underlying causes of this. And I found some data recently uh, that I thought was pretty interesting. Uh, so, yeah, I thought I would share that with our listeners. So I think there's been some speculation that maybe, you know, it was younger workers kind of staying out of the workforce because, you know, we had those enhanced unemployment benefits for a while, uh, had some other government stimulus uh, that people were receiving. But in fact, uh, and this comes from a professor at the University of Minnesota, kind of dug into some of the data here. And when you look at it, um, and in fact, this number here, last month there were 3.6 million more people out of the labor force than there was in November 2019. And when you look at that group of people, those 3.6 million people, 90% of them that are now out of the workforce are age 55 and up. And so that tells you right there, this is primarily an issue of people retiring early, leaving the workforce maybe a little earlier than expected versus, say, the younger population that's kind of staying out of the workforce. And again, we've had debates uh, among ourselves with the investment team talking about this, uh, but now I think we're starting to kind of see some numbers behind this of what's really driving this. And so I just thought that was kind of fascinating. And then, Kurt, you and I were talking about just kind of anecdotally what we're seeing with some of our clients, and it dovetails, I would say, almost exactly with what we're seeing. Yeah. You know, there was two things about that. Number one, uh, I'm definitely seeing from clients the desire to retire earlier than they initially thought. I think a lot of people, you know, think, <laughs> well, I'm going to work till I'm 70. I like what I do, you know, blah, blah, blah. And uh, all of a sudden, the, the pandemic came along and said, you know what, I, I, I just – I want to. I want to retire now. I, I don't want to wait because you never know what's going to happen. And I think it. I think the pandemic has been uh, really responsible for that portion of it. Uh, but it's shocking, you know, especially around the university because I see so many people really work at the university into their seventies easily, and sometimes in their eighties. Mm -hmm. And I've got so many of them who are saying, you know, I'm out at sixty-two. I just really am. Yep. And the second thing I think the pandemic's done is there's so many dual-income households. That once the pandemic started, some people were let go. Some people, all kinds of things that they realized. You know what? We can get a, we can get along with only one income. Yep. And such, and so they say, you don't need to go back to work, or I'm not going to go back to work because of that, or the, because there wasn't anything to spend money on for a year, really, kind of, you know, mm -hmm. that they we really don't need as much income as we thought we did. So exactly. I, I think it's a, it's a lot of that that's happening. And then probably the third thing I would add to that, and this is kind of what we already covered though, is when people look at their balance sheet. You know, how much their investments are worth, how much their houses are worth. It's that wealth effect. Exactly. That kind of – that weighs into that decision as well. They yeah. feel a lot more comfortable than they did maybe just a few years ago. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I agree. I think the scariest part is they got to realize that what goes up sometimes comes down. And, exactly and you want right. to make sure you, you position yourself very well for that. Uh, but still, you know, it, it's kind of – it's interesting and, and not scary. But, I mean, you go around town. I mean, let's be honest. I, I mean, you know, working at the bank. 
we've had to shut down lobbies in certain locations because we don't have the staff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's twofold, though. It's people not wanting to work, but it's also, too, is with the spike in COVID recently, you've got a lot of people out sick. Or I think the, mm-hmm. the mentality we all have had in a lot of the companies, too, is if you start to feel sick in any way or any, you know, just stay home. Sure. We don't we don't want you here, but I mean it's still you go to restaurants and they'll be like it's going to be an hour wait and we're like you got tables they're like I don't have staff I may have tables but I don't have staff so yep. yeah you know this weekend I went to a restaurant a deli type restaurant where you actually go up the counter but then somebody comes out and delivers it to you and then they pick up the dishes when you're gone and we walk in there was one person at the counter there was a line literally people standing out the door. And not one table had been bust. People, wow, yeah. You know, guests were were picking up plates and moving them to some other table so they could have a place to sit wow. down. And it's just because there's no help. Well, and a trend I've seen, I did some traveling recently, and this was common in the airports and a few other places, is you sit down, there's a QR code at your table. Right, yeah. You scan it. Not only do you bring up the menu, but you do all your ordering right. through the phone as well. And then... So you really don't have a waiter or a waitress. It's just somebody bringing you the food, yeah. and you pay that way as well. So it really streamlines the whole process, and obviously you can do that with less employees. Yeah, the only thing I don't like about that, Aaron, is I don't need one more reason to be on my phone. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> just, just saying. I agree. Yeah, I, I just agree. don't do that. Okay, we got to get into some year-end things yeah, because sure. there's some really important things. Sure. And uh, and uh, Aaron, you can you can jump in anytime you want to, but Mark, I'm looking at you now. Uh, no, okay? I'm ready, Kurt. Okay. Let's go. Okay. But uh, the first thing I'm gonna, I want to talk about is capital gains. Uh, we have gotten preliminary capital gain estimates estimates from uh, many of the mutual funds we use and things like that, and they all seem to be higher than they normally are. So I don't want people out there to be surprised if all of a sudden they get a surprise, right. you know, come tax time, and they get that 1099 that show they've had a pretty good-sized capital gain. So I really encourage, and of course, you're the Chartered Financial Analyst, I'll let you jump in, but I really encourage people to be looking at their portfolios and looking for opportunities to offset those gains with possible losses they can take. Yeah, no, 100% agree with that, too. Now, now is definitely the time. I mean, better get it done now before year end is, uh, you know, we've met with quite a few clients recently and looked at their portfolios, trying to identify, you know, losses. And there was a one client that was just like, well, you know, that's one of my favorite stocks. You know, I know it's got a loss, but it's going to come back. We're like, <laughs> we understand that. What we're going to do is sell it now, and then we'll go buy, we'll buy it back, you know, in, in whatever, 30 days mm-hmm. is the, the short-term rule. But we need to generate it because otherwise you're going to be hit with, you know, let's say, Ten to fifty thousand dollars in capital gains, and nobody wants that bill, like you said, Kurt. Uh, so definitely, you know, now it's time look through your portfolio, see what it is. But if you can too, is if you've got mutual funds, you know, reach out to whoever your investment person is or the fund itself to see what kind of capital gains they're going to pay out, because most have already published that by mm-hmm. now, so you can kind of get an idea to be prepared. Yeah. And uh, along those lines, a lot of them are paying out right now, but you haven't seen them unless you go online. Now, they'll right. show up on your, fe- on, your, on your December statement, but by then it's too late to do anything about mm-hmm. it. So to your point, Mark, contact your investment advisor, contact what, and, and look at, explore what you think those are going to be because they're either paid now or most mutual fund companies have made estimates of what they will be and look for opportunities. I was able to help a client the other day that we estimated he's going to get $50,000 wow. in capital gains. Right. And by just liquidating three stocks – 
which is hard to find a stock that's down right right? right? That's the big thing. But but there are sectors, energy, whatever, that are down, that we were able to offset 30 of the $50,000 in gains with just selling three stocks. Right. And the thing, you you know, most people need to understand, too, and Aaron Aaron can speak to this, too, is if if you sell off a certain stock in a certain sector – you can replace it with uh, an, a comparable ETF, so you still have that exposure exactly. to that sector. Yeah, if you don't want to be out of the market, right? right? But yeah. you can do it that way. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to the next one. Sure. Aaron just shared with us, Mark, some amazing returns in your portfolio right. over the last year. You know, you're up 27%, did you say, in the S&P That's 500? Right. That's right. Well, you know, that very definitely could have outbalanced right. your account where you're you, where you were hey i'm a 60 40 70 30 whatever the case may be we've decided to be now all of a sudden it could be 80 20 or whatever because of those huge gains and of course those gains sometimes don't stay <laughs> and you know people get out of what's gone up and they go into things that are down and that kind of cycle so this is a really good time either individually or with your financial advisor to kind of look for rebalancing opportunities 100 percent agree i mean now is definitely the time i think you you should be sitting down with your investment person no matter what just to kind of see what they're rebalancing like you just pointed out to curtis i mean even mid caps are up 21 small caps 22 and then what you say internationals are down right now uh the emerging markets the emerging markets are Mm -hmm. so it's perfect time to restructure because i mean if you if you look at the charts you know over the past whatever 20 to 50 years different sectors rotate to the top every single time so you want to definitely rebalance take advantage of that well it's that that old saying buy low sell high right that's exactly what you're doing with rebalancing i mean it it seems simple but it's yeah a lot of people overlook it yeah i had a wise man tell me one time you'll never go broke taking a profit Okay. Yeah. You got something that's up 25, 30, 50%, yeah. you know, you're going right. to be okay. Right? Don't get greedy. You're going to be okay. Uh, okay, moving on. There's another thing here, too, is that because these, these, these assets have risen so much, this might be a great time to look at gifting. Right. Uh, especially rather than writing a check, gifting appreciated securities. Right. For sure. I mean, yeah, either you can give them to a charity. I mean, that's been a, a big thing, too, is uh, mm-hmm. having coming, you know, if you donate a stock that in your portfolio you bought for twelve thousand, but it's worth fifty thousand, you now get the fifty thousand dollar deduction for the appreciated stock, which makes a big difference. And you don't have to pay any capital gains on that. You get the charitable deduction for that amount and not pay the capital gains. The whatever I guess the charity when they sell it, they won't recognize any gains because mm-hmm. they're charitable. Yeah. And I, but I think a lot of our listeners don't realize you don't have to write checks. Right. You can actually gift securities. And almost every charity or philanthropic organization in town, the U of I being one of them, United Way, you name it, they have accounts set up where you can just transfer the securities into the account. Right. And, you know, to be, to be honest, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of kids out there that would encourage their parents, hey, you know, go ahead and feel free to, to if you're doing well, <laughs> gift me some <laughs> stock or, or, or cash. Fifteen thousand a year. It's it, it's that giving time of year with yeah. with the holiday season. And that's why this is the holiday edition of Money right. Talk. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Now moving on. Uh, this is more on the line of a New Year's resolution. One of the things that I've seen as an advisor working with clients during the pandemic is uh, I don't even want to say resurgence of this because people never want to talk about estate planning, but certainly it's become much more top of mind. And what I'm constantly shocked to see is how many people with significant wealth, with significant complex estates, I own farmland, I own businesses, I, 
Uh, all these different things have little or absolutely no estate plan. So I really, really like to encourage our listeners that in 2020 year is, 22 is the year of the estate plan. Okay, I'm going to make all the attorneys right. out there happy, the estate planning <laughs> attorneys. But I'm serious, you know, because otherwise, you know who decides where all your money goes? The uh, state of Illinois. Right, state of Illinois, exactly. I mean, no, it, it's, it's, Kurt, it's kind of interesting when you brought up that topic on the way over here today. That's what I, I, I shared with Kurt that, you know, last year my sister and brother-in-law retired uh, at age 70. And I said, well, the first thing is let's get your estate planning documents together to make sure they're up to date. And they're like, we don't have estate planning documents. <laughs> so that that was actually, you know, a shock to me. But I agree, I agree Kurt. I mean, I think 2022 should be the year you do estate planning, no matter what your age is. If you've got kids, you need to put something together just in case something ever happens to you. You want to make sure that they're taken care of, that the court doesn't decide who your kids go to. You know, and I think in the past, a lot of reasons people didn't do estate planning is, uh, well, I don't know who I want to make my executor. I don't know who I want to make my power of attorney. Most importantly, I don't want. I don't really know who I want to get the kids. Right. <laughs> Right. You know, I don't like your brother-in-law. I'm your brother. I don't, you know, things like that. But, okay, so most of that's already gone. <laughs> so now you just really need to do it. And uh, so I really encourage you that. because, And I think sometimes you need, you know, uh, some kind of event to make you do things. And I think the pandemic is an absolute oh, perfect big one time. to do big that. Time. Do that. So uh, you got anything on your list? Because we've got about 30 seconds left. No, I, I appreciate everybody. And, you know, I want to wish everybody, you know, a happy holiday season. Be safe. Take care of yourself. Uh, have a few, uh, I guess, I won't say resolutions for 2022, but come up with some good plans for yourself. Thank you. Well, you know, this is that time of year when you want to tell people that you love, that you really appreciate right. them. And I really appreciate you, too. Oh, <laughs> thanks, Kurt. Oh, okay. I appreciate well, you. Look such at a you. sweetheart. Thanks for listening to Money Talk. Uh, we hope you have a wonderful holiday season, and you're listening to News Talk 1400 WDWS in Champaign-Urbana.